Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Hey, I want to welcome everyone here to Lighthouse Community, where we help people say yes to Jesus' leadership in their lives. My name is Fritz Velo. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse Community. I want to welcome everybody here in the house today, especially all of our guests. Um, And I want to welcome uh, everybody who's a part of our Fostoria launch team. I um, want to welcome everybody who's a part of Lighthouse Community Online, and then I want to give a special shout out to Bluffton Community, because today you guys are celebrating your one-year anniversary since you started Sunday morning worship gatherings. And so, man, we're so excited about all of the things that God is doing in Bluffton Community and how God's using you. Uh, we're so glad that you guys are a part of the family of churches Lighthouse Community, Living Hope, Bluffton Community, and we know that God has a lot more in store uh, for us here in Hancock County and wherever it is that he may be leading us. So Abdul wipes the sweat from his brow, and the darkness feels ominous, and he's wondering, did the authorities see me? Is somebody following me? Is tonight going to be the the last night that I have of freedom? Am I even going to see tomorrow? And he had taken all of the precautions, right? He was driving uh, without his headlights. He was uh, driving in the middle of the night. He had uh, stashed all of the Bibles in secret compartments inside of his car. He drove in circles multiple times trying to throw off anybody who might have been tailing him. And the whole time, he's simply praying and asking God to to protect him and use this time. And he knows the risk of sharing the gospel in his area of the world, but the words of Scripture are just far too important. And Abdul moves in silence. He places Bibles on every doorstep that he can come across. And he's going throughout this entire Arabian village where there's no Christian witness, at least not yet. And with every single Bible that Abdul places, he whispers the words of Isaiah 55, 11, that my word will not return empty to me, but will accomplish that which I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, returning to that same village about four months later, Full of prayer, Abdul walks into this cafe where a lot of locals gather gather together. And because Abdul is not a regular, right? He's kind of a stranger. He has many people who come to find out his name and where he's from and what he's doing there. And a couple of Muslim men ask him this question: "Are you Muslim?" And Abdul answers, "No, I'm Christian." And all of a sudden, these Muslim men respond, oh my goodness, we received Bibles here a few months ago and we've been reading them, but we don't fully understand everything. Do you think that you could help us understand, that you could teach us what the Bible has to say? And Abdul agrees and and sets up a time to meet with them and he begins to journey through the Gospel of John with these Muslim men 
explaining to them the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how central it is. And I wonder, I don't know if you wonder the same thing, but I wonder what possesses a follower of Jesus Christ like Abdul to risk his safety, to risk his freedom, to risk his very own life simply to spread the gospel, to hand out Bibles in a city to people who might not even want them. I mean, what is so special about this book that we call the Bible? Now, Christians and non-Christians alike agree that the Bible is not an ordinary book. In fact, every year, more Bibles are sold worldwide than any other book. Actually, over 100 million copies are sold. There are more copies of the Bible in print than any other book that has ever been printed, right? Uh, uh, the Bible app, some of, some of us have the Bible app on our phone from Uversion. Well, just this last November, they crossed 500 million downloads and installs. Half a billion digital copies of Scripture exist out there today, right? And so, as popular as it is, the Bible receives the most pushback and opposition of any written document that's out there. In fact, the Bible's outlawed in some countries. In one country, if you're found with a Bible, you could be tortured, you could be imprisoned, you could even be put to death, and that consequence actually would follow all the way down to three generations of your family. So how is it that the most printed, the most purchased document in human history is also the most controversial? Well, it's it's because of this, because of what the Bible claims. You see, the Bible claims to be truth, and not a truth for a certain culture, and not a truth for a certain time, but the truth. And it makes really clear claims about who God is. And the Bible makes really clear claims about who you are. And the Bible makes really clear claims about how it is that every one of us can experience eternal life. Right? And it points to one person. Faith in one person alone is what can radically transform every single one of our lives. And that person is Jesus Christ. And those are big claims. And those big claims, I think, beg a very central question. And the question is this. How can we know that the Bible is true? How can we know that the Bible is reliable? Well, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, or you can click over, maybe you've got the Bible app on your phone, but you can click over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, We're actually kicking off this brand new series today called What is Real? And for the next six weeks, we're actually going to be asking questions like, 
Uh, how do we know that the Bible is true and reliable? Uh, how do we know that anything is true at all? Uh, we'll ask questions like, why is Jesus' resurrection so central? And uh, how, wh- what does authentic faith look like? And so we're going to be uh, unpacking those questions and really looking at these uh, really deeply. Uh, we're going to be wading into the content. We're going to be wading into the faith, even into the reasoning of why we as Christ followers believe what we believe. And so I want to invite everybody uh, at all of our locations to journey with us over the next six weeks, because I think if you do, you're going to find your faith overwhelmingly strengthened and nurtured during this time and navigating the answers to these questions. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're actually going to be starting uh, in verse 14, uh, and we'll go all the way to 17. Uh, This is what it says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, Paul described the Bible, the scriptures here, as sacred. He says they're breathed out by God. He said the Bible is that which is able to help you understand faith in the person of Jesus Christ, and it actually equips every person for the good works that God has for us. You've got to see here that the Apostle Paul held the Scripture in very high view, right? He's got a high view of Scripture. Why? Why is that? Well, Paul had such confidence in the scriptures for a couple of reasons. And the first one is this, is that Paul knew where the Bible came from. Paul knew, and so did the other apostles, by the way, they knew that the Bible had come from God. And they said that all scripture, it's like the very breath of God. It's like he's breathing it out. It literally comes from him. Another one of Jesus' apostles named Peter wrote this. He said, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And and so what Peter is saying is, while God used human agents to speak, to write, the Bible is God communicating with us. It's God speaking directly to us. Think about that. When you look throughout scriptures and you look at history, God spoke directly to people sometimes. And other times God would speak through people to people. You see God speaking through actual historical events that took place. And so now, through the Bible, you and I have this preserved collection of God's Word speaking to us. And so Paul understood that the Bible, it came from God, right? It's really from Him. 
The second reason that Paul trusted the Bible is this, is that Jesus himself taught that the scripture was God's word. Okay? I want you to consider just for a moment Jesus' perspective, his attitude towards the Old Testament. If you look at one moment when Jesus is praying as he's talking to God, he says this in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says, your word is truth. Your word is truth. And, and, and this word truth, Jesus is talking about, he says, this, this is the most base level of reality. This is what's real. This, this is fact. This is true. And it's not just true for you, or it's not just true for me. It's actually true for absolutely everybody. This is the most base level foundational truth that's out there. When you begin to become more familiar with the Old Testament, you see that it's actually typically broken down into three major sections, the law, the prophets, and the writings. And so the law is the first five books, Genesis to Deuteronomy. The prophets, that's self-explanatory, right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Malachi, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have the writings, right? That's like Psalms, Proverbs, Chronicles, First uh, and Second Kings, things along those lines. And I want you to notice that if you look throughout the New Testament, you actually see Jesus quoting from all three sections of the Old Testament. And in doing so, what Jesus was doing was he was actually affirming all of the Old Testament. And when Jesus spoke about events or moments that the Old Testament records, he speaks of them as actual historical moments. These aren't mythological. These are real. These are actual events. In John chapter 10, verse 35, Jesus said this, Scripture cannot be broken. That word broken means it can't be undone. It can't be loosened. It can't be broken down. Why is that? Because truth doesn't fail. You you can't destroy truth. It it still remains true. You can't loosen truth. It remains true. That's the nature of truth. That's what makes it truth. And so when you look at how Jesus viewed the scripture, you see that Jesus viewed the the Bible as completely divine. He viewed the scriptures as completely reliable. Jesus viewed the scriptures as completely authoritative. And I cannot stress enough how important it is to understand how Jesus viewed the scripture. It's very important. But if you want to go one step further, you actually see that Jesus' disciples carried that same exact perspective. When you read throughout the New Testament, you'll actually see just quotations from the Old Testament saturating their letters their writings, right? It's all over the New Testament. They use truth from the Old Testament to explain truth about Jesus, right? You see uh, pointing to prophecies. I mean, literally hundreds of prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ alone. Uh, And and then you, you actually see the apostles affirm New Testament writings, as scripture as well. Look at what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says this, 
and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. Here's the big thing. As they do the other scriptures. Do you see, Peter is equating the letters of Paul as scripture just as he would the Old Testament, the law, the writings, and the prophets. This is absolutely massive that you see Peter doing this. See, Jesus and his apostles knew that the Bible was true because it's the actual word of God. And so it's so obvious when you look through the, through the New Testament that Jesus saw the Old Testament to be true, uh, his apostles saw the Old Testament to be true. But I, you, I can get where you might say, well, okay, but that's all in the New Testament. I'll give that Jesus and the apostles saw the Old Testament as God's word. But that's the New Testament that begs this question. Can we trust the New Testament? And the short answer, quite frankly, is just Yes right? Uh, Now, for uh, many, many reasons, but I'm going to point to just two today. Uh, The first is manuscript copies, and the second is accuracy. Now, most books from the ancient world have survived into, into modern history simply on like 10 or 12 manuscript copies that, that have made it throughout that time period. Now, now the most for any other book besides the New Testament is Homer's Iliad, which has 643 manuscript copies, okay? That's the most other than the scriptures. The rest of them all have like 10 to 20 at the, at the most. Do you know how many manuscript copies we have in existence today of the New Testament? Five, over 5,700 manuscript copies exist. No other ancient document comes even close to that number. And the accuracy between the almost 6,000 New Testament manuscript copies is 99.9% agreement. The point one variations are typos, right? They're the missing of a small enunciation mark or maybe a letter that's out of place, but it has no bearing on the meaning of theology and scripture. Listen, no other book in existence has this level of accuracy between the copies. And I want you to know this. The New Testament has more writers about the same events, has earlier writings to when the events happened, more eyewitnesses, right? In some cases, 500, 
more outside references to it and more references to other historical people and events that are also confirmed by outside resources. There is no other document from the ancient world that even comes close to the reliability of the New Testament. The New Testament stands on its own as reliable, accurate, and trustworthy. And so because you can trust the New Testament, you can trust Jesus' view and the apostles' view of the Old Testament and the New Testament as the words of God. Listen, the Bible is God speaking to us. And Jesus understood the Bible as truth. And the New Testament is the most reliable document in human history. And so I hope you can, do do you see, do you see that the Bible can be trusted? And it can because the Bible is truth and the Bible is God's word. Now, it's one thing to affirm that the Bible claims to be God's word, but it's totally another to be convinced and to believe it to be true for yourself. That's a whole other pathway. And quite frankly, you don't get there through convincing arguments. And it doesn't happen because you corner someone else into believing it. The only way that that happens is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you in the Bible and the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Bible. I think the Westminster Confession of Faith got it right when they wrote this. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style, the the consent of all its parts, the scope of the whole, the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation, the many other incomparable excellencies and the entire perfection thereof are arguments whereby it does abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. Yet, notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Here's what that means. Faith in Jesus Christ is still the foundation for trusting the Bible. It starts with faith. And until the Holy Spirit quickens your heart, until you hear God calling your name, until the veil is lifted from your heart, the Bible is just a book to you. But, but, when you do hear God calling your name, when you do say yes to Jesus by faith, when the veil has been lifted, you see the Bible is exactly as Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 describes it. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That the word of God 
It's living. It's active. It transforms and changes. Listen, when God does open up your eyes to the truth of Scripture, it's your good opportunity to discover who God is. It's your good opportunity to discover who you are in relation to him. And so let me encourage you, read the Bible. Study it. Right? Let the, let the Bible read you. Let the Bible study you too in the process. Right? Because as you do, you're going to encounter moments where the Bible pushes back on values that you've held. The Bible would push back on viewpoints you've affirmed to be true. The Bible will push back, right? Even on the priorities you've believed to be priorities. Now, when that pushback happens, you have a decision to make. And the decision is this. Either you're going to ignore what the Bible says and rationalize why it doesn't apply to you this time, right? That's one thing. Or, or, you'll submit to it. You'll submit your viewpoints, you'll submit your values, you'll submit your priorities to the truth of what Scripture says. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about the moments when you read the Bible and Jesus commands you to forgive others, even even to your enemies. I'm talking about that when Jesus says, if you want to follow him, the only way you do that is through denying yourself. Moments when you read God's invitation into sexual purity. And so when those moments arise and the Bible confronts you, and it even pushes back on some viewpoints and values you've had, you're, you're going to be tempted to reason why that person doesn't deserve your forgiveness. Or, or you're, you're going to be tempted to rationalize why you, you cannot, it would, it, would be, it, just, it would be irrational to, to deny yourself in this moment, or that to, if you trust God in purity, then you might lose your girlfriend, you might lose your boyfriend to some archaic and outdated rule that doesn't take into account who we are as people today. Let me encourage you, the next time that you're offended by Scripture, or, or it confronts you head-on like that, Before you ignore it, before you rationalize it away, pursue God's why behind God's what. I want to encourage you to pursue God's why before you pursue God's what. And so what I mean by this is meditate on why. Why does Jesus command me to, to give forgiveness to my enemies. Seek out in the Bible why Jesus commands forgiveness. Look at other passages in the Bible, why Jesus makes the point of self-denial as the first step to becoming his disciple. Discover why God invites every single one of us, right? Teenagers, married adults, singles, divorced, right? All of us. He invites all of us to sexual purity. 
pursue God's why in the Bible. And in doing so, what you'll discover is that the Holy Spirit will actually empower you to fulfill God's what? You've got to see that the Bible is true. That the Bible is God revealing himself to us. In fact, the Bible is God revealing us to ourselves. This book is fundamentally different than any other book. It is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's supernatural. It's alive. It it crosses time and culture. Why? Because the Bible is truth. The Bible is God's word. And, And so I want to invite everyone to take a next step. You know, whether you're here in the house, whether you're celebrating one year at Bluffton Community, whether you're joining us in Faustoria, or you're part of Lighthouse Community online, right? Here's what I want to invite you to begin. To begin or to continue reading and studying the Bible. Either begin for the first time or continue reading and studying the Bible. You know, a really helpful way to do that, I've found and many others have found too, is to pick up a Bible reading plan, right? Or you can download one from our website. In fact, this is a next step that you could take um, on your connection card and you can let us know. And so here's why a Bible reading plan. Uh, There's a couple reasons. One, uh, what it does is it provides a system to help you engage in the Bible, right? It gives you the system to walk through. Second, it answers a question that uh, it, it plagues me if I'm not using one. I'm sure it plagues you too. The question is this, where should I read today? Right? You know what the answer is? The next one. <laughs> right? You start on day one and you go, well, what do I read today? Then you go to day two. Right? So just look at the next step in the plan. Uh, here's the third thing that a Bible reading plan does. Uh, you can actually read along with another person. You and a friend, you and another person could actually read passages on your own or together and then get together and you can share insights and you can ask questions, right? Uh, Amazingly powerful, isn't it? I, still today, still today, I follow a Bible reading plan. In fact, right now, I'm journeying through Joshua uh, in the Old Testament, Right? And, and I'm just going a little bit at a time, and I'm reading, and I'm discovering the character of God and why that's so important for me to trust God within his character. So I would encourage you, if you're in the house, if you're at Bluffton, uh, swing by the Connection Center, pick up uh, a Bible reading plan uh, before you go. We've got a number of them. The other thing you could do uh, is if you do check that uh, next step on your connection card, we will send you an email with a link to where we have all of our Bible reading plans online, and you can access those, you can download them, print them, do whatever you would like. Uh, But I would encourage you, grab a Bible reading plan, uh, start walking through that today. And, And here's the reason why. Listen, God sets people free when they read the Bible in faith. You know, I know of one man who released a decades-old grudge against someone who had hurt him deeply simply because he was in small group, they read a passage, they talked about it, and that very night, he made the decision to forgive. I, have a know, I know of another person 
who saw for the very first time as they're reading about grace and they're reading about the fact that Jesus has taken on all of the punishment for their sin, they saw for the very first time that they never have to fear being punished by God because Jesus has already taken all of the punishment and he's now in Christ and so he never has to fear punishment that God will never do that to him. I have a friend who right now is reading the Bible for one of the very first times in his life. And and he simply cannot get enough. And he's amazed at how God is transforming his own life and how God is transforming the lives of his family simply from reading the scriptures in faith. And so to read the Bible with the hungry curiosity of the needy sinner is to open yourself to the rich depths of its challenge, its purity, its mercy, and joy. What freedom is waiting for you? How might God transform your life? Listen, God uses the Bible to heal searching souls. Now, I want to invite everybody at all of our locations to bow your heads and close your eyes and ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? And I want to give you an opportunity to listen to what he has to say to you. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.